Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Monsters Who Murder. Serial killer confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car. I actually... With Amanda Howland and Robert McKnight. Hello there and welcome to Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions, whether you're listening to us on the audio podcast or indeed on our video podcast at mwm.uscreen.io. It's the place where you can watch the interrogations, you can see the news items and you can even see myself and this lady, the serial killer whisperer, criminologist, best-selling true crime author, Amanda Howard. Is there anything you can't do? Uh, yeah, I can't stop COVID. I'm trying, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, at the time of recording, we are heading towards the museum event. And on the day we're recording, there has been a new case in New South Wales, bringing the total to three. There is a possible fourth case, but that has been determined that it could be a false positive based on the fact that yep. it is a low viral rate of in, in, infection on that person. Yep. So, Amanda, hopefully the museum has gone ahead and it was a big success but today we are doing part two on jennifer pan that's right and we're getting into some fantastic pieces now that we're actually going to be comparing parts of her story to other parts of her story to see how it all matches up and this is a fantastic opportunity because we don't usually get this we usually just have sort of like a one thing straight the way through and and the police officers get onto one sort of um train of thought but here he goes all over the place and he does a bloody good job even though his surname makes him sound like a porn star he does a great <laughs> job in the interrogation what was his surname again Slade. So it's Randy Slade. Randy Slade, that's right. (laughs) Um, I took a bit of a cheeky look at one of the clips and I think we actually see the moment he goes, she organised this. There is a specific moment, and I want to talk to you about this later, but I reckon I've seen the moment where he goes, she's guilty. There is a moment. Excellent, excellent. Mm. See, you're learning very quickly, Rob, and I'm very proud of you, and I'm very proud of everyone else out there who says that they put on their Amanda Howard brain. Um, I love that, and I'm glad that you're all doing this and sending me clips and everything. It's been amazing. Well, I'm just waiting for you to tell me, no, that wasn't the moment. What are you talking about? He he realised it 20 (laughs) minutes earlier, but we'll get to that. Jennifer Pan is coming up. Don't forget, you can take out the video subscription just by going to mwm.uscreen.io. I really think it's worth it. We're putting a lot of effort into the video podcast. But in the meantime, let's get into the news stories of the week. And the remains of at least 17 people have been found underneath the home of a suspected serial killer in Mexico. Investigators have found 
found thousands of bone fragments at the home of a 72-year-old simply known as Andreas. His last name has not been released due to Mexico's privacy policy laws. Reports say Andreas was finally caught after allegedly killing the wife of a police commander who reportedly discovered the corpse of his wife at Andreas's home. Amanda, is this a new serial killer for your database? Well, he's still only an alleged serial killer. Of course. He went in about 10 minutes ago. I put him in when I spotted this new story. <laughs> I opened it up. It's open on my other laptop and he's already in. We will get a surname because uh, their privacy laws is just about while they're a suspect and not actually convicted. So once he's convicted, we will have his full name. So I've just written that. I in, actually in like that, but- I'm going to say. I like that because... People deserve the right to innocent until proven guilty. Having said that, there are thousands of bone fragments <laughs> underneath his concrete floors, but he is still entitled to the presumption of innocence. And once he's found guilty, if indeed he is, that's when the last name can be released. I actually applaud Mexico on that. Yeah, a, a lot of countries do, um, especially sort of up in, in the Scandinavian countries, there's a fair mm-hmm. few over there that even once they're convicted, they don't use their surnames. But we often find out, like um, like Joseph Fritzl, we found out his surname pretty quickly. But the fact that they've not only found all these bones, but they've also found like 100 VHS tapes and 8mm video cameras and everything. So it looks like that he's been doing this for a long time. And instantly, of course, those that love horror probably went to the Poughkeepsie tapes um, thoughts there as well as I did. I went, oh, my God, I'd love to watch all, all of these videos. I mean, so, sorry. Sorry, are we saying that if he did indeed kill these people, that he filmed himself doing so? Well, he's got all of these home videos that they're now, believe it or not, they're trying to find a VHS player. (laughs) (laughs) I feel their pain. I'll do it for you. (laughs) I've got a VHS recorder, but I'm still old school and I I will never change. But, yeah, so it is going to be a very interesting case to see what gets leaked from these videotapes. So he's got digital ones, he's got um, eight mils, and he's got VHS tapes. So this suggests that this hasn't, like, started last year but he may have been doing this for decades so Mm. um 17 victims so far and that's just with the fragments that they've found so and of course the police wife was uh, decomposing on his lounge so um (laughs) it's an interesting case and yes he's already in my database yeah i think this is going to be a case we cover over the coming months as this story develops all right let's move on because a suspected serial killer has been deemed incompetent to stand trial angering the families of his alleged victims as kctv5 reports the problem stems from Frederick Scott refusing to take his medication. This is video of Frederick Scott from a previous court appearance. Scott did not attend today's video conference hearing. According to the Missouri Department of Mental Health, while currently deemed incompetent, doctors believe Scott can be restored. He will continue to be committed to the Department of Mental Health. Scott is charged with six counts of first-degree murder. He is accused of killing Michael Darby, John Palmer, David Lennox, Timothy Rice, Karen Harmeyer, and Stephen Gibbons, starting in August of 2000. 
2016 and ending with Scott's arrest in August of 2017. Many of the victims were shot on or near the Indian Creek Trail. During previous hearings, the judge learned Scott was refusing to take medication while in custody, which has upset victims' family members. Michael Darby's son, Brian Darby, previously spoke to KCTV5 News about his frustrations. He knew what he was doing. He was competent. And now, just because he doesn't want to take his medicine as prescribed, it's not fair for the victim's families. I think he's got a point. You can totally understand why these families are angry. At this stage, there is no closure for them, Amanda. No, see, I see this from a different point of view. If this guy has mental health issues, that is not always directly involved with the case. He may still have um, schizophrenia or something like that, even if he is medicated. So I don't think competency in a mental health area should be sort of um, linked into, well, he was competent before and now he's not. We don't know that. We're not the professionals that are actually listening to this guy and making sure if he is okay or not. So it's, yes, I can understand the family's frustration but the medication will only help so far and if he's incompetent he's incompetent and we shouldn't mix up um mental health issues with psychopathy or anything like that Uh, of course but as we all know medication can help mental health issues and the report seems to suggest that his incompetency is based on the fact that he's not taking that medication prescribed medication while he is incarcerated i think that is a major problem no i don't think so i think the medication will help him but that may not make him him competent so i'm sorry i'm on on the mental health bandwagon this week and i just think that we sometimes like to give excuses to things and and i think that this guy being competent or not won't come down to if he's taken a Zoloft or not. I really don't think so. And I think that they need to sort of see because they don't want to go through a court case and then find at the end that he's not guilty by reason of insanity or something. They don't want to do that either. I know sure. they want to sort of get to that point, but it's, you know. But, but worth knowing that he has been found competent to stand trial in previous court hearings this one he wasn't competent because he hadn't been on the mm-hmm. medication and it also does come up to a uh, an interesting part of the case where he could blame his condition on the actions that he took so it's definitely very messy and i think that's where i get your heading that he might be going down a mental health issue as the reason for his killings is that what you're saying uh, well, yes and no, but mental health doesn't equate to being a homicidal serial killer. It doesn't go there, but it's about being able to uh, separate the two and not see this as an excuse because if we keep st- stigmatising um, mental health issues, we're going to always believe that someone is bad and not mad. So, I mean, it's it's just something that they think of. Oh, but is it just madness and mental like health issue? This is where it gets interesting. Well, it Who is, in their right mind thinks it's okay to kill? in our society there's possibly an argument that everyone who kills has mental health issues yeah absolutely but that's not to say that everyone with mental health issues is going to be a killer so sure 100 100%, 100%, i agree with that 
All right, let's move on now because there have been shocking scenes when a woman threw her friend's baby off a high-rise building. According to the Daily Mail, a beautician was jealous of the mother of three because her family were happy and she had a loving husband. The frantic mother rushed down 13 floors, but her baby was motionless after landing on a hard surface in the yard, according to eyewitnesses. Amanda, this lady, look at her there. She looks like a normal person to me. So let's talk about the psychology of this. What leads someone to doing something so horrific? Can this be as simple as jealousy? I don't think this is something that we can even equate. You know, we can talk about things like mental health, like we just did, which lends itself perfectly to this one because this one may have been due to mental health that she has done this that mm. her jealousy becomes a, a, a impassioned rage that sort of uh, goes in in her until she ha- has this moment the baby cried the baby laughed that the mum rushed to the baby when they were halfway through a conversation something can be that final catalyst we see with people like this it often builds and builds and builds until you get to that moment that you trip over like um a a crack in the sidewalk and that is Mm. what's going to make you crack and it seems to be that that might have been what happened here and i have seen hundreds of videos of people falling or jumping or committing suicide from buildings and what that mother saw when she got to ground level i wouldn't wish on my worst enemy because it would have been horrific so i you know I, i i would want to think that this woman isn't insane or that she doesn't have a mental health issue because like like the previous case where the family wanted to see punishment this is a case too that you know i'm going to come from the absolute opposite direction that that the last one and say that you know you do hope that there is something wrong with her that she would do this to a harmless little baby it just makes no sense but we cannot use mental health as a diagnosis for criminal behavior like it's still criminal but (sighs) absolutely it was interesting though that the court ruled she had faked schizophrenia in a bid to avoid responsibility for the murder would that have been a play from her point of view after the act you know basically she's done this horrific act so she tries to find a way to get out of it on the spot or would it have been a plan all along that she was going to do this and then try and use this excuse to get away with it I mean, if she did plan that, that's full-on psychopathy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe it was probably a moment of, oh, shit, what have I done? And then she has had maybe a mental health break and she has decided that she's going to take this further and see how far she can run with it because it was termed fake. So, I mean, we know that she then had, had a competency because she was in so much of a right mind that she could actually fake these illnesses and the experts can tell you yes or no if they have or they haven't. So, mm. you know, as you said, this lends itself straight in, into psychopathy and it goes that way down the mental health spectrum of, of forensic health. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I, I argued both, both sides of the, of the argument in two news stories, but you know, it just <laughs> depends on how they come about. And this first kid, I thought he there is mental health issues there. He has been declared incompetent. He He's not taking his medications, but that also doesn't mean that a medication is, is going to fix the mental health issue, whereas this one, she's faking mental health issue because she wants to get out of the horrific mm. nature of what she did. I mean, yes, she killed one baby and, and the guy killed four or five, I think it was. But, you know, it's still, they're very different parts of this very same argument. But um, 
oh, that mother. I just. <laughs> and it happened. This before. woman was pregnant herself, was going to this other lady to get hand-me-down clothes and then just made this shocking decision. Uh, but the thing is you do look at the issues in a grey, not black and white, which is why you can come at it from different angles. Look, it's really important, Amanda, moving on, that people know that they can have access to you by joining our Patreon page. For just $10 a month, you get full access to Amanda Howard on a secret Patreon Facebook page. And don't our patrons make use of that, Amanda, hounding you night and day in the best possible way. <laughs> they do and even the free group this week got a bit of my tantrum after um, a lot of people took offense to me saying basic instinct instead of fatal attraction and apparently we, we should have re-recorded and everything so I did have a big tantrum and say that these people can go and <laughs> do something else with their bodies but um, uh, so, no, so, that, <laughs> imagine that moment though so I'm assuming you I'm not across this did you make a mistake last week you called the movie basic instinct Remember, and not fatal I caught, attraction I fatal instinct. yeah yeah I caught a fatal instinct and then I said no it's basic instinct but apparently it was fatal attraction ah got you but imagine that moment you are the expert and these people finally have something over you Amanda so tanty (laughs) or you like but I think it's the highest compliment that they felt compelled (laughs) that they could have a cheeky go at you yeah, no, no. <laughs> so I, I, I picked up a stick, but that was on the public group, so everyone can go and see my tantrum there. But um, no, in the in the secret group, we do do a lot of lessons, and I do do some live streams sometimes, especially when I work out how to make it work, because sometimes it doesn't work. Um, I talk about upcoming uh, interrogations. We're actually doing one next after we finish Jennifer Pan, which is going to blow people's minds. And I know some of our patron people because I know of their employment history because I know everything about all of you um, <laughs> that's you're allowed to be in the Patreon group um, that that they're going to pick up on what this case is going to be very quickly but I don't tell them but I let them know a couple of hints and we mm. sometimes work on some projects together and so yeah I'm basically on Facebook 24-7 and the Patreon group are absolutely fantastic and we do spend a lot of time chatting and going through docos and me saying I don't watch docos and I don't listen to podcasts <laughs> and all of this but the, and we talk about recent books that people have purchased and everything so it is really a fantastic community and i am on on the free page as well but the uh the, the patreon group because it's a smaller group um we, we do a lot more and we're all sort of more mm. more personable and everything and um and they love seeing my screenshots of me scamming scammers so um <laughs> it, it's <good> fun <laughs> Well, the great thing is you can get on that for as little as $10 a month. There is a $5 tier that gives you bonus, uh, gives you early access to the new episodes. And there's other tiers as well, including group video chats and private chats. And even the screen video feed is there on a tier. But of course, that's at patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. And you can subscribe directly to the video stream just by going to mwm.uscreen.com. Dot io. That's mwm.uscreen.io and patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. All right. In a moment, we will continue our psychological profile of Jennifer Pan. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. Even though I didn't want to get in the car, I actually... With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. This week we continue with the interrogation of Jennifer Pan. She employed a high school friend and several people who, for $100,000, would rob the Pan family and kill her parents. And so, in the evening of November 8, 2010, Jennifer unlocked the front door of the family home before retiring to bed. Three men then entered the home. Each was armed and soon took the family hostage, demanding all of the money kept in the house. Jennifer's parents were then taken to the basement where they were shot multiple times. Jennifer was left tied up but unharmed. Her mother would die from the injuries. Her father, Han, survived. In the early hours of the next morning, her parents had just been shot. She assumes that they are dead. But she has since learned that her father survived. Amanda, take us through the scene set up and the first few moments where we're up to. Okay, well, we're only about half an hour into the interrogation and it's taken us an hour podcast to do that. <laughs> but we have Jennifer sitting at that same semicircle um, tiny table. She has a box of tissues in front of her, which we know we love watching that box of tissues. Uh, and they have, have not been used. They have not even been looked at. So she's still in that big bulky jumper that she's wearing. She's she's so tiny and it's just weird to see such a, a sociopathic person like, like this. But she is um, basically not doing much movement. She sort of shuffles a bit in, in, in her chair but not much and she keeps looking at Randy Slade to actually uh, get his approval for what she's actually saying. That's why what we've seen so far, that she would keep stopping, waiting for him to go and then. Mm-hmm. And so, so she's realised now that he's not actually doing that but he's actually been pretty quiet up until this point so she's gone through the entire story and now he's going to ask her to go through it again this is amazing and this oh, i've got goosebumps already <laughs> this is amazing because he's had her go through it and now he's going now we're going to do it again to see how she changes things and so we're going to compare some of last week's episode clips to what she says in this week's episode to see how it's very hard to keep a lie going when you you have to replicate it over and over again because short-term and long-term memory do actually imprint, lies don't. So she's not going to remember a lot of what she's already said. And this was the thing she wasn't expecting, was it? She wasn't expecting to have to go through the timeline again. Yeah, that's right. She thought that it was done and she was going to go, thank you very much, I'm going to the hospital now to save my dad and, and be the grieving daughter. She thought she was done. So the fact that he sort of now starts to talk and sort of gets her to go through things, it's interesting how she's like, oh, God, and there is times that she has to sort of stumble over her words because she can't remember what she said last mm. time. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting way to do this and it's something different to what we've had before. Usually they go through that story that one 
time and it could take 10 hours. I mean, there is 10 hours of tape of Jennifer Pan, but I promise you we're not doing 10 hours. We'll do one more episode. <laughs> but it's interesting now that he is doing this. I think this is his check to see if she's going to replicate or if she's going to fabricate. So, oh, look at that. We've got Ooh, a new term. That was use. very, very good. All right. So let's go back to the interrogation. He is getting her for the second time to start from 9.30 p.m. and what happened in her bedroom. So you go back, you're up in your room at 9.30, correct? 9, 9.30. You're, you're on the phone. Who are you on the phone with? With a friend of mine, an old co-worker. An old co-worker. Are you on the phone with that person when you hear these voices that you don't recognize? Yes. And... Um, do you remain on the phone with this person, or when does that conversation end? It ended when I heard my mother asking my father to come down the stairs. And normally, they 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 don't get a, they don't communicate very well sometimes. So what I did is I told my friend I'll call you back, and I hung up, stuck the phone in the back pocket, and started to go out the door. And that's when I noticed that there were men running around. So, Amanda, she's talking about that phone in her back pocket. She's very clear about the phone call. But is it, but is it strange that she doesn't mention who she's actually on the phone to? That's a bit of a major point, isn't it? It is, and this is where we get parts that are truth and what parts are lies. So she, you know, I put the phone into my back pocket. I definitely did that, definitely did that. She didn't need to say that or do that. That's not an important feature. But saying who she was talking to on the phone, that is an important part of the story, especially if it is true. And so the fact that she's vague about that, oh, it's just someone, I, you know, I used to work with or something, it's really odd that she doesn't want to hand over that information so quickly. So you have to think then what's going on with that part of the story when she's, you know, I put it in, into my back pocket, but I was on the phone to a friend. Well, that's why Slade wants to go through this timeline. He's going to do that, and Jennifer does get a little bit confused. So let's back up again. When you hear your mum come in, do you hear your mum in the house? In the house. I had gone down the stairs. Did you hear... So before this, this is when, when did you hear your mom for the first time in the house? When she came home. And what time was that? 9.15. Is there a time period? So, and where is your father at that time? He has, he's just finishing on the computer, I think, and he was heading to bed. So did you physically see your mom? Yes. And at that time there was no one strange in the house no i went she was on the downstairs sofa she was watching tv when i last saw her okay where is the so between that time that you see her and you leave her on the sofa until you hear the noises the strange the, the, the voices as you describe them how long is that maybe a half hour a half an hour Okay, I'm going to be honest. I'm getting a little bit confused as well. Uh, take me through how this cannot be how she says it was. 
okay, well, it is confusing, so I'm going to have to refer to my notes because I did have to write down this timeline. Okay. So she says that she's on the phone between 9 and 9.30 mm-hmm. in her bedroom with the TV going. But then her mum came in at 9.15 and she saw her mother downstairs on the lounge. She said that she went down there and saw her mum was watching TV. So how can she do that if she was in her bedroom on the phone between 9 and 9.30? And then she says yes. it's half an hour before these people come in and yet she she hangs up the phone when she hears the people come into the house, when she hears her father. So was she on the phone from 9 to 9.30 or 9 to 9.45? Did she go and see her mum before she made this phone call? All of that time frame there does doesn't actually match up to how the story went the first time. So she probably saw her mum either before 9 o'clock or she didn't start the phone call until after 9.15, but then, you know, they they would then need to know how long she was talking to that person and how long it was before her mum called her dad down. And it is very, very confusing. But, yeah, basically uh, there is 45 Mm. minutes there of total confusion that she says that she's doing multiple different things in multiple different rooms in multiple different floors of the house. So, yeah, it makes no sense. So there's no clarity in her... Mind because something like that, you would know what you were doing when, but the story is changing, the order, reacting yeah. to other elements he's throwing in. Yeah, exactly. And so she's trying to make answers to fit what he's throwing back at her, as mm. you just said. So it's just, it's, it's very confusing. And I did actually literally have to write down, go through all the different versions that she did to try and make it fit the way that she says it does. And it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. Okay. Well, then he knows that she's not reliable with her answers and he actually asks her an incorrect question. And she agrees with him. Have a listen to this. Okay, and you are going to the. You're going up to your room to to watch TV and, and tune. She looks pretty sure there, doesn't she? Yeah, you know, and this is how he knows that she's lying because he's now feeding her, her, her storylines because she said that she was now, just then, she was downstairs and then she decided to go upstairs and watch TV. But we know that she was actually already in her bedroom and she was on the phone. So, you gotcha. know, just by making her go through that as a second and third time now, he's just sort of seeing if she's listening and if she's focusing on what she should be saying. If someone is distraught and they're in this place, they're going to make mistakes, absolutely 100%. But what they're going to do is sort of know or correct themselves saying, oh, no, no, I was actually watching Matt Locke or something. Oh, why did I say Matt Locke? Oh, my God. Not lock, but anyway, um, you know that, that that she would have said, you know, that this was on TV, and I turned it down so I could be on the phone, or you know, I made sure that Mum wasn't home when I rung, you know, a male coworker. You know, there there was all these things that she could have said, or sort of worked out how it went together if she was telling the truth. But she's actually saying, yeah, that's uh-huh, an interesting yeah. point because her whole beef with that these were tiger parents, and for the parents to allow her on the phone at 9 o'clock and not be aware of who she's talking to is actually a, a, a red light right there, a red flag. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it just sort of doesn't make her timeline get any clearer, that's for sure. That's true. Okay, well, then he asks her again how long it was between her mum coming home and the intruders arriving. Remembering, she said half an hour, literally just moments ago. And then approximately, again, how long later did you hear these voices? My mom had to be home for maybe 20 minutes. Don't really have that window. I think around like maybe 9, 
940. 940? Okay. Estimates is fine. Okay, I'm not expecting to hold you down to times because we can probably get that from who you were speaking to, right? Because how long after you end the conversation with the person does this, do you hear the voices? They're already in the house. So you end the conversation because you hear the voices. You'll call the person back. I, yeah, because I heard my dad and then I heard some strange voices when I was like, I'll call you back. And who was it that you were speaking to? A co-worker of mine. And what's what's that name? Ed. Ed? Edward. Edward, you know Edward's last name? Pacifica Door. Okay. So what is it that you hear that causes your father to go downstairs? My mother calling for him. Hmm. He does appear to be going softly, but it also seems to me that she, he sees that she's now mixing up the night after being so specific with the first run through. Exactly. And that's the amazing part. She went through that first episode. Had we just played that first half an hour, it wasn't, but basically she would only take breaths when she was expecting him to sort of like jump in and ask something, but she went, you know, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. So this is why he's now going back through it. Mm. And she's now saying, you know, oh, well, mum got home at like 9.30, but then, um, you know, then the, the people come in 20 minutes late and that was 9.40 and, you know, so she's sort of all over the place because moments ago she said, yeah, it, it was half an hour after nine. So, you know, it's just amazing that she's trying to do this and she's starting to freak out. Like when he asked for the telephone person's name she sort of really didn't want to give that and then only gave his first name and then gave a second name which i i, I can still not um decipher i probably play that probably 25 times but it's interesting <laughs> that she is now she then said in there as well she said something about that um she hung up the phone because she could hear her dad saying something and then she changed it to her mum was saying something mm. so there's these little multiple changes that are happening which is making it more confused and he's now going to try and perplex her to see how 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 confused he can get her to make her slip up so you know well it's interesting you say that it's very interesting you say that because slade now wants to know what she heard being said what is the first when you hear these this can you hear them talking downstairs the unknown voices to mumble? Because I had the TV on. It was just all a mumble. That's got to be a giveaway. She's not on the phone. She's got the TV on, so she can't hear what's being said. Exactly. So she can hear her mother calling for her father, but she can hear that there's gentlemen talking, but she can't actually hear what anyone's saying. Like, how does she not know it's not the guy from down the street come to borrow a cup of sugar? My God, I'm old today. I'm sorry. It's just amazing. I don't know. I'm coming up with this old, weird 1980s reference, 1950s references. I, I don't I'm tired. It's okay. But, yeah, he's, he's doing all of these things to see where her lies come into it. Let me go, Robert. I've got a lot to do. But, you know, it's just proving also at the same time how easy it is for her to lie. It's easy to now say, oh, I can't remember because now she's – because she went through that whole storyline and she's basically brain-dumped it because she thought, oh, well, I've done mm. that. So now he wants these specifics. She can't actually recall what she said. So, you know, he's just trying to push things in, in, in different directions to see what else he can grab from her. But she is now realising that she should have probably taken notice of what she was actually saying. So, it's, Well, it's well getting... we talked last episode about the fact that she probably had her story down, but 
when he starts throwing the other questions in, she's not prepared for it. She really isn't. You know, at this point, she has said that she got off the phone when she heard voices. Then she's saying the TV was on. So what is it and what's going on? He's going to keep pressing her on a story and it changes again. Let's have a listen. This is what I want to do. I want to have a listen to both versions of what happens next. This is the first one. And then suddenly I just heard my mom calling for my dad to come down. And that's when I lowered the volume on my TV and I could hear the voices weren't any voices I was very familiar with. And so I was scared and I couldn't move. I just sat in my room for a while. So as you can see by the time code at the top, that is earlier in the interview. It's the section we covered yesterday. You just heard her early answer. Now the new answer that she gives. When's the first time that you actually can hear one of them talking? When he was upstairs and I thought he had left the upstairs because I was frozen in my room for a while. Yeah. Trying to listen in, but I couldn't hear over my TV and I didn't want to startle, startle them by turning it off or like diminishing the volume. So I was kind of pressed up against my door for a while trying to hear it. And I thought that all the people upstairs had gone down, so I opened up my door quietly and tried to peer out, and he saw me, and that's when he came. Now, you know, Amanda, these might be insignificant things, but they're important in the narrative, aren't they? They are because she's basically said two different things about two different things. Mm. So she said that um, she had to turn down her TV. The second time she says, I didn't want to startle them by turning the TV off or diminishing the volume. And then the first time she said that she was frozen and couldn't move and couldn't do anything. This time she's she's up against the the door and listening to what's going on. Mm. So it's these little things. So you either turn the TV off or down, or you didn't. You, you, it can't be both. And because she's actually given these small details and he has has recorded because he's new to the story, for her to then now say, no, I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to startle them, it just proves that, you know, there's all of these little bits in the story that don't make sense because he, she's basically contradicting herself the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Slade then asks Pan to describe the guy who grabbed her and tied her up with that string. Uh, he was medium build. Okay. I didn't. I don't remember any of his clothing, unfortunately. The only thing I can remember was him. Was he had dreadlocks. He had dreadlocks. So, are you, uh, it, can you describe his race to me? He was black. Did it was his head covered? Was his face covered? Do you remember anything about that? Just that his dreadlocks were like kind of like flopping all over the place. I couldn't really see his face and they kept the lights dark as much as as much as possible. Okay, so it's a black guy with dreadlocks and she can't remember his clothing. But Slade did prompt her in there, but she didn't bite. No, because in our last episode, she said that they were wearing bandanas as masks over their face. 
So now she's saying, oh, it's a guy with dreadlocks, you know, and it was too dark so so she really couldn't see anyway. It's amazing. It's this. Like he knows that she said that he was wearing a bandana. So now he's asking her basically that question but being vague about it because he doesn't want to say, were they wearing a mask? Because then that would prompt her to recall saying, oh, yeah, he had a bandana on his face. So the fact that he's just saying, is there anything else about his clothing? Mm. And she just sort of goes, oh, yeah, no, it was too dark. And this it was too dark is going to be an answer for a lot of the upcoming questions but it's going to be interesting what she can see in the dark and what she can't see in the dark okay well let's i reckon we need to have a listen to that section again can we take a listen please i didn't at that point i saw three figures of men but one with a hoodie but the one i could see the most clearly he had a hoodie on and i believe he had a bandana of some sort covering from like his lower uh, under his eyes down she is really convincing herself <laughs> Yeah, and the fact that she had said that. So he has this mental image of what this guy looks like. So he is seeing that this first guy is going to have on a hoodie and a bandana. So when the girl says, oh, no, he had crazy dreadlocks everywhere, they were in his face um, and nothing covering his his face except his hair, he's just seen that his mental image is now incorrect because he's now saying something different. So he's like starting to go, okay, that's another lie that she sort of said. So he's just going to continue to build on this because he's heard the story through once. So he has his mental image and it's solid because that's what he he's there to do. So now it's about how she, she keeps swapping and changing things because she really has no idea. Yeah, he plays it very well because he's obviously got a good memory plus he's got his notes based on what she has said. So now what I like is he wants to hear more about the dreadlocks. It is a minor thing, but he knows what she said before and now wants to see how far she will take this lie. It's hard. I, I don't want to remember 100%. I think some of them were, like, around his face were a little shorter mm-hmm. and then in the back there were, there were longer ones. Hang on, wasn't he wearing a hoodie? How does she know what the back of his hair looked like? Exactly, exactly. And um, I was watching this going, oh, darling, you've got it wrong. Because I had in my mind's eye the guy in the hoodie. I didn't have race or anything like that. But I had, you know, that that sort of um, greyed out face because you've got a hoodie and so that's what you're thinking. And for her to go, oh, yes, and it was short at the front and long at the back, I mean, it's dark, remember. It's dark, so she can't see anything, but she can tell what the back of his head looks like. Hang on, do we know it was dark in the house? Yes, she said that they kept the lights off. Ah, fair point. That's why you're the serial killer whisperer. But let me ask you this as well. Isn't (laughs) it true that people who can't record details try to fill in those details? Yeah, it's called being a helpless witness. So people want to make sure that they get and give you all of the answers. So if someone goes, now, did he walk down the left-hand side of the street or the right-hand side of the street, they will make a choice and say it was the left-hand side. So this is why he's sort of doing these sorts of prompts but not saying, did he have a face covering? He he just said, was there something about his face? You know, just sort of making it vague for her to then come up with these unreliable answers. But he is knowing that what she is saying 
isn't because you don't go from he was wearing a hoodie and a bandana mask to long and short dreadlocks. That's not that's not um, an unreliable answer. That is a convoluted answer, and she's mm. just basically making up this story because she didn't want them going after the white guy that she had come into the house. Yes. I've got to say, I think Slade is a fisherman because – I feel like he throws out the lines and he just reels them in. Watch this one. He's throwing out a line, casting a line. Isn't that what they say? Yes. Sporty. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's casting a line and she is about to take the bait. Any facial hair? I'd like to say maybe... Say only what you can think. Just, just say what you what you think. I don't want you to say what you're. I don't want to say something wrong. Exactly. So if you don't know, then it's okay to say. It's okay to say. It took her a long time, but I felt like he's giving her a few outs along the way. He, he sort of said to her, yeah, don't tell me if you think it's wrong, which is just the point that we just made about the unreliable witness who mm. gives you answers because they want to please you. But but, but you can you see know, her, I reckon, in that clip when she's pausing, you can see her try to think, what have I said before? How does this line up with my story? And the problem is she's now confusing herself. So the idea of a beard and a hoodie or lack of hoodie and all that kind of stuff, she had a moment where she went, I don't, I hadn't thought about a beard. Does he have a beard or not? You know, she built up a story in her head. She doesn't have the answer to a simple question like this. She can see his hair. She knows that he's a black man, but she doesn't know if he's got a beard something's wrong in the state of texas it does does happen it does happen people might say that the perpetrator had a beard didn't have a beard and and they were wrong it does happen we've seen identifit photos and if you're coming to the museum you will see the original one of david berkowitz there you go i'll just throw in a plug um just search for amanda howard on sticky tickets for upcoming museum (laughs) the next one is going to be in geelong so look out for that one so yeah Yep, and I there know you go. That. I know how to deliver a plug. <laughs> Thank you. But, yeah, but she she knows now there's something that's sort of peeking in, in the back of her head there that she's going, I know I said something about the face, but now yes. she can't see that because she knows that there's something. And so she's like, oh, I don't know. So she didn't think about going back to the bandana. So she's, you know, this could be a point where he could go, okay, she knows there was something but not quite sure, so maybe that is true, but she knows how long the dreadlocks are. So, I mean, it's just so weird how she thinks that this is going to go for her, but that was a tough question for her, and now she's really struggling. So what does it all mean? <laughs> well, it means that uh, she knows what happens and she witnessed what happened and was there when it happened and likely was wandering around the house and laughing and joking because these were people that she knew and they were going to get $100,000 out of her. So I don't think she was in a place of, of torment or torture because oh, no, they would have just shot the family on 
on the lounge. They wouldn't have taken them down down the basement or anything like this. She was probably tied up afterwards just so it, it was a nice clean scene when they come in. So she doesn't have a true memory of what's going on. She has a very different memory of what's going on, but that story she can't tell. So she's trying to piece things together to send them off the off the track to go and look for a, a black guy with dreadlocks and not the white guy that she got from high school to do it for her and all of this. So she's trying to create a new narrative that conflicts with what her brain actually knows happened. So it's it's very perplexing for her to remember what she's added and what she's subtracted mm. from this story. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to do a full lie like this. I mean – Jodie Arias tried and, and failed as well. Not as bad as this one, but um, it, it just shows you what a good a good detective can do because, you know, we have barely heard Slade on this because he doesn't give a lot of, of verbal cues. He's basically sitting back and letting her just sort of hang herself with her story. I, ain't that the truth? This is the ultimate game of cat and mouse. She is trying to put him off scent when he asks about their ages and now just to reminder when we listen to this bit she had enlisted the help of students she went to school with so they would be around 23 or 24 so now how is she going to move him away from that well this is how she attempts to do it well when the other officer asked me i was leaning along the ages of 28 to 33 so when, uh, and someone who's established in life I would assume so. Like not established in the world, meaning that he's been around, been around. So uh, a twenty-year-old talks completely different than a thirty-year-old, as you know. He seemed to be the one in charge. He seemed to be running the show. He's the one that had me. Like he pretty much did not let me go. He was in charge of me, and all the money I showed him, he pocketed. I get an extra benefit with these video podcasts. Not only do I see the clips, but I get preview monitors and I can see Amanda watching these clips. Amanda, you had, you were laughing out loud. You had the biggest smile on your face during that clip. Why? I don't know why I love to laugh at the at the gotcha points, but here we have the gotcha point. So what we have here is that the main guy, the guy with the dreadlocks, the guy with the bandana, the guy with the hoodie, is is um, dealing with her. She's the important victim. So he's not the one who goes down and ex- execution style kills her parents. No, he stays with her with a piece of string. So, I mean, this is just proving how self-centered she is and the narcissism is now coming out. No, he dealt with me. The others had to go and kill my parents because they're sort of collateral damage. You know, I gave him all the money I had. She literally gave him $2,000, big whoop. They thought they were coming for $100,000, which was going to come. Had they got away with it? But, you know, it's just it's weird that she is saying that the guy who's running the show doesn't go down to the execution murders in the basement. He stays and watches her with mm. apparently a gun against her back or her head or wherever it was and ties her up with a shoelace. So, I mean, she's when she says string, she means string. It's not like she's saying string instead of rope. It was shoelaces. So, I mean, it's just <laughs> it's weird. They brought the bullets. They brought the guns. Ah, oh, we yeah. forgot to bring some rope. Yeah, so they use shoelaces from, from the mum's bedroom <laughs> or somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> And why not just shoot her as well? Yeah. Hey, look, let's skip forward now and look at some more perplexing answers she gives when describing their weapons. 
Did you ever see a gun on anyone else? On... Because number two and number three, as we'll call them. Number three is the unknown guy who you just hear, who we we hear is Cuzzy, Mm -hmm. and you hear him with a slight island uh, Caribbean accent, okay? Um, One of those two, like, they dress very similarly, very thin build. You saw number three? You can describe... Briefly, like through the the reflection from the lamppost okay. on the street, yeah. through my uh, through the the sheer curtains. curtains, yeah. I just saw briefly he was quite thin build. Another thin build guy, yeah. Similar to number two, yes. And and what about the gun? Did you see another gun? I saw the tip of his gun because he had pointed it out at my father, and okay. that one was was a revolver. Like it had the. The rotating... You saw the cylinder. Yeah. The rotating cylinder portion of the gun. Yeah. You saw that. Yeah. Okay. And what color was the gun? It was quite a bit away. Okay. And how did you see the sil- How did you see this? Did you see it as a silhouette or did you actually physically see the gun? I was on the floor kneeling when he was asking my father for his wallet. Yes. He had pointed it out and I, like I was told to keep my head down, but I kind of looked up, looked up like peripheral here. And then I saw that. So what portion of the gun are you seeing? If you're seeing, are you seeing him holding the with the handle and the revolver? Because the cylinder portion sticks right. Yeah, like right close by. Here. Can you see him wearing gloves, or can you see him? Honestly, the lights were all out on that side of the house. <laughs> now I got to see your reaction. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> oh. First of all, that's one hell of a shiny lamppost. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's get this straight. She could only see the guy's reflection from the streetlights, but she could see his yeah. gun clearly enough that she says it's a revolver, but can't say what colour it is because it's too dark and she's too far away. I mean, if, yeah. if Slade didn't know that she was somehow tied in with this by now, he does certainly now, right? Yeah. You can even see it on him. He's going, so you saw the revolver? And she's like, yes. What colour was it? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's hilarious. And, and you see how Shay, Shay was doing, like, like the the gangster shooting thing, and yeah. he was holding it like this. It's like, <laughs> honey, you were there. You were in the thick of this when this was going on. So, you know, it's just amazing that, you know, yeah, so it's too far away, but she can see him. And he's got a Caribbean accent. I mean, we're going to a stereotypical. Oh, no racism here. Hey, man. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I knew you'd do an accent. See, I tried to get in there, guys. I tried to get the Caribbean accent. Hey, I'm going to come and kill you, man. (laughs) That's not Caribbean. Oh, is it not? (laughs) No, that's another hate crime against another nationality. It's all good. That's Caribbean. Jamaica. No. <laughs> yep. No, you sounded like a, a New York Italian mobster. <laughs> and, man, we're going to smoke some weed and kill some dudes. No, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Back on. Let's get back on topic. The problem is with the video cast, we don't edit down so much, so these kind of things stay in. Uh, she is then asked about the actual shooting. There was a set. I don't 
don't want to say this wrong. Say it what you think and what you what you believe. So you're not I, whatever you say isn't something gonna be wrong. for sure. Is I don't know if it was one. And then what I'm going to tell you, and then one. Yeah. Or if it was two, and then what they said I'm going to tell you, and then another one. Basically, they had made the first round or pop, pop, and they has they had said, okay, that's enough. Let's go. Who said that? Whose voice is that? Number one. Okay. And then I heard one more after that, and they're like, that's enough. Let's go. Okay. And again, that's number one. Yes. Do you hear Three's voice at all? Not at that After he had pretty much said, you... After he said that you lied to us, you lied to us, you just had to cooperate. And then they shot him, and that's the last time I heard of Three. Okay. So... How many shots, not putting it in sequence, how many shots do you think you hear in total? Five. Five? Okay, this is interesting because this is where lies come undone, isn't it? She doesn't have the story straight in her head. She's going pop, pop as she tells the story, pop, pop, you know, multiple shots being fired. She then says it's equates to five it is very difficult to keep control of the narrative when you're making this all up isn't it it is it's easy to sort of go through the action so she was saying there you know they went pop and then they spoke and then they went pop pop or they went pop pop speaking pop and that's apparently five um but she then says oh you know and then he said this and then he said that and it's hard to create dialogue you, you can create actions and you can say oh we moved there he stood there i could see his gun over here but to then have them actually speak it's quite hard to do because i mean i can i can write scripts in your voice because you're often in my head, Robert, that's a whole different story. <laughs> but what we have here is a, a one-off moment and you are going to remember things that are said. And so for her to sort of create this unnatural conversation is really, really hard. And even just then, the, the uh, slide asks her, um, did you hear the third guy talk? And then she goes, no. And then she goes, oh, and then the third guy said this. You know, so she doesn't hear him talk, does hear him talk. He is a Caribbean guy. He's not, you know, and so she's making it more convoluted with what she's saying because it's not natural and he can tell that this isn't natural because what would they be lying to them about you know it doesn't make sense but yeah she was giving them the money sound like um yeah interestingly though i mean the story comes apart straight away she says it's a caribbean man and when she's talking about the shooting you would obviously think the gunshots would be pop man pop man because no anyway no. Uh, <laughs> you had no idea where i was going then no, uh, i had no idea <laughs> all right then she is asked about them leaving and her story <laughs> it gets more convoluted and then talk about them first you're scrambling okay you're scrambling can you see the front door from where you are no okay did you ever hear how they got into the house doorbell ring kick door nothing like that i don't remember how they got in i don't even know how they got in okay um you uh 
Do you hear scrambling noises? Do you Are you hear? talking about right now? Right at this point in time. So we're back to the time they're leaving. Okay. Or they're, you hear the scrambling noise, and I'm only assuming they leave because they're not there when we get there. Um, do you know which way they go out? You can't I'm, hear that. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the front door, yeah. but I'm not 100%. I didn't get to see anything. Like, my arms were behind my back, and I was against the banister, yeah. and the banister is twisted, so I can't see the front door. Now you hear your dad, yeah. right? And what's going on? So what do you hear next after you hear the scrambling? That they're gone because you're hearing no more. I gather that's how you assume they're gone is because you don't hear. Then you hear your dad. I, I reach for my phone. Okay. And you call nine one one. Okay. And then you. What happens after you're? Uh, I just I I heard my dad go out. And I don't know if they damaged his throat. Or How did you hear your dad? So what? I, this is the kind of importance because if you he did he go out the front door? How did you How did you know he went out the front door? Because I heard him open the door. Did you hear that door open when these guys were scrambling to leave? There was just so much thudding. And is your house got an alarm system? Yes. Do you know the alarm system when the front door goes off and there's that chirping? We, don't, we don't have that chirping. No? No. Is your house alarmed at night when you guys go to bed? Before the last person goes up to bed, they will alarm it. But prior to that, it doesn't get alarmed? Okay. So, you hear your, you, from your when your father exits, you hear the door open. Because you hear your daughter, and then you and then see... I can hear, like, the outside noises. Okay. Like the wind coming in, and I just hear my dad, ah, I think he's... Oh, this is so convoluted. So she doesn't hear uh, the killers go out the front door, but she hears her dad go outside and knows that he went out the front door. Amanda, this, she just can't get her story straight. No, and it's absolutely crazy because, you know, she's saying, oh, she couldn't hear them because they were scrambling. So, but she can hear her dad open the door. She can hear the wind outside. But when these <laughs> men left, three of them with guns and panicking to leave the house, they apparently left very, very quietly, but, but scrambling with their feet and closed that door so silently so she couldn't hear them go out the front door because then her dad actually opened the front door because she heard that. So, I mean, and he was screaming. Like, she was saying, he's going, Wah! And it's like, well, you, you could hear the wind over that, but you couldn't hear the way that these guys left the house. It just, it defies belief. And that's what's happening is that she's just sort of going on with this story now. So when she doesn't want to answer or thinks that a, a, a correct answer could be concerning, she goes vague. Oh, they, they were scrambling. I couldn't hear where they were going. Mm. You know? Yeah, she can hear them down in the basement um, <laughs> saying, you lied to us. So, well, I, I, I mean, don't think it's a surprise here that we know she's lying. So what's going to be fascinating is, in the next edition of Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions we are going to hear her confession. Slade is going to draw it out of her and she is going to sing like a bird. Amanda Howard, I am looking forward to this. <laughs> so am I. It's going to be great because he gets her in the end. She, He gets to a point where he thinks he's, he's caught her and then she comes through with some right answers but then he goes, yeah, let's lay it on, on, on the table and she 
she crumbles. So oh, <laughs> it's gonna be a brilliant. Well, Just that is in the next edition of Monsters Who Murder: Serial Killer Confessions. Don't forget, you can hear it in the audio podcast or watch it on the video podcast simply by going to mwm.uscreen.io. That's mwm.uscreen.io. Thank you, Amanda. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. 